Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus commanded us to go into all the world and make disciplined followers of him. As disciples of Jesus Christ, one of our great responsibilities is to help others be growing disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord. How much time do you currently spend in helping others become better disciples of Jesus? How often do you call or text or meet brothers and sisters in Christ for the sole purpose of building them up in their walk with Jesus? Let's open our Bible now and learn how we can more effectively make disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Saturday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all are loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know him, growing to obey him and uh, growing to be a better disciple of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I think this is uh, maybe the 18th teaching in the series of a disciple of Jesus Christ. I think it's 17 or 18. And uh, this could be the last one or the next one could be the last one. I believe this is a uh, this might be a two part one. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a disciple of Jesus Christ making disciples. Um, the, the first, you know, you know, 16, 17 teachings have have been sort of a curriculum, you know, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, an outline of, of all the different aspects, all the different tools, all the different things that go into being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to talk about, as disciples of Jesus Christ, um, one of our biggest priorities as we learn to be a disciple is to help others be a disciple of Jesus Christ, or to quote, make disciples. Every, uh, I think almost every teaching, we've done uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which is the Great Commission, where Jesus is commissioning us to go and not to make Christians, although you have to be a Christian before you can be a disciple, and not to make churches, although going to church is a good thing, being, being in a good, solid, Bible-based church is a, is a good, sound, wonderful thing. Being a community is, is absolutely necessary. But he didn't tell us to make Christians, and he didn't tell us to make churches. He did tell us to make disciples. A disciple of Jesus is a disciplined follower of Jesus, someone who is increasingly spending time with Jesus, growing to know him, growing to love him, growing to know his love for them, and above all, growing to obey him in, in every aspect of their lives, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally. A disciple is someone who's trying to model every aspect of their lives, as I just mentioned, after Jesus. They're an apprentice of Christ. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, We've read this scripture, I believe in everyone. We might not have done it in one, but there it is again. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And so, obviously, you have to be a disciple 
of Jesus before you can make disciples of Jesus. And that's what we've been discussing. And so today we're going to go into how do we make disciples of Jesus? And again, it's not, it's not complicated. Basically, everything that we've talked about in the first, you know, 16, 17 teachings, now you apply yourself to helping others do those things throughout your day, right? Day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, you're consistently, right, Nathan, uh, reaching out to others and looking to help them to be growing disciples of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you that you've called us, Father, to be disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to be a disciple of Jesus. And Father, we do thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today and we worship you today, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we get to be your disciples and grow as your disciples. Holy Spirit, we do ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, a disciple of Jesus Christ, okay, is someone who, who, who's doing all the things we've spoken about, spending time in the word of God, right? Every day, spending time feeding your spirit and soul in the scriptures, reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures, and spending time listening to teachings, you know, like we've done here on the scriptures, about the scriptures, right? Um, spending time in the word of God, spending time in prayer on behalf of yourself and others, spending time in praise and worship and thanksgiving throughout your day, right? Spending time in repentance, you know, just examining yourself and just seeing the areas of your life that are that are not in line with Jesus and, and having an earnest repentance in those things. Um, spending time in, in using your time, your talents, and, and your money, you know, in the advancement of the kingdom of God and the Son of God. Spending time using your talents, your time, and your money in the work of helping others be disciples of Jesus Christ. We talked about the, the three different kinds of baptism. We talked about uh, communion. And the communion teaching will come, uh, you know, I think it's come out right before this one. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, or it may come out just after this one. I'm not sure. No, I think it comes out before this one. So, um, you know, we're several weeks ahead here in these teachings. So, you know, it does come out before this one. And so spending time taking communion and understanding what that is. So, all right. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. So first we'll turn to Luke 10 and we'll, uh, we'll do verses one and two. Luke 10 verses 1 and 2. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, 
but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So you see that, Corinne? Jesus commands them, ask the Lord of the harvest, Jesus, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There are not many people today that are, that are disciples of Jesus Christ. We've said before that all disciples are Christians. All, all real disciples have first received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're Christians. They're trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of their sins, the salvation of their soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and to go to heaven when they die. They're saved. They've received spiritual life in Jesus Christ. God the Father is their heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior and Master and King. The Holy Spirit is their guide, their counselor, their, their comforter. They have relationship with each member of the triune God. Again, they have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So you have to be a Christian. You have to have Jesus living on the inside of you. You have to have received Jesus and eternal life in Christ and spiritual life in him before you can be his apprentice, before you can be his follower. Without Jesus living in us, we can do nothing. We're spiritually dead. We, we have no light, no understanding. Um, we cannot understand or approach God in any manner or in any way without Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said out of his own mouth, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the first thing we're talking about now is the first thing Jesus said is that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You see, a worker is a disciple. Okay, again, a disciple is an apprentice of Jesus, someone growing to know with Jesus, someone, someone growing to know him, uh, growing to be like him in every aspect of their lives, and growing to do the work of making disciples. So the, the first thing we need to do is, is, is pray that, that Jesus would raise up more disciples, that Jesus would bring people into our lives that we can help be better disciples of Jesus Christ. Again, Luke 10, 2. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Why are the workers few? Why are so few people, Stephen, really wanting to be disciples of Jesus Christ and even fewer people wanting to make disciples of Jesus? Jesus' own words, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Lord Jesus, we do ask you today to raise up people, to convict people, to drive people to us, that we might obey your command, that we might increasingly obey your command to make disciples of all nations. Lord, we do ask you to, to, to send us people who would be more than merely Christians, more than those who were saved from their sin and going to heaven. We ask you to send us, Lord, we ask you to send us workers, Lord, who want to be disciples who are working in your field, working in the kingdom of God to raise up more disciples. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. 
golly. Look at uh, look at Second Timothy two two. Second Timothy two two. So again, uh, the first thing you want to do is be in prayer, as we should be all the time, obviously. But be in prayer that you know that the Lord would show you the men and women you are to be pouring into, where you, where you're to be making disciples, with whom you're to be making disciples, with whom you're to be building up. Look at 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Okay, so there it is. Again, this is, this is what discipleship is. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. So we just did about 16 or 17 teachings on a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we laid out a, a curriculum for discipleship. So as you've gone through that entire curriculum, right, Nathan? Now you want to not only walk it out, but you want to entrust others and teach others that curriculum of discipleship. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So again, we want to to be discipling, uh, you know, other men and women who who are reliable, who want to be disciples, who want to increasingly live every aspect of their life for Jesus more and more and more and more. We want to entrust this process of discipleship to them as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look at, uh, let's look at what? Look at look at uh, 1 Peter 3:15. All right. So one of the one of the first aspects of making disciples is is evangelism. Okay. Um, again, because they cannot a person cannot be a disciple. A man or woman cannot be a disciple. And I'll say here, all men and all women are called to be disciples, okay? There are no two standards. The standard is the same, whether you're male or female, and there are only two genders, right? Um, what is it, Matthew 19, verse four, Jesus said, have you not read that in the beginning, the creator made them male and female, okay? So the very word of God says there's two genders. God made two genders. He made them male and female. Okay, and so there is no two standards of discipleship. I believe it's Galatians 3.28 that says, In Christ, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, barbarian, Scythian, you know, but only Christ, no male or female. Okay, no male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free, barbarian or Scythian, but Christ is all and is in all. It's Galatians 3.28. Um, so again, there, there's only, there's, there's one standard and it's the same for men and women. And that is we're to increasingly devote ourselves to being more like Jesus, to following Jesus, to being apprentices of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, more and more and more and more all the days of our life and helping others to do that, which is what it means to make disciples. So again, but before you can be a disciple, right, Pop, you have to be a Christian. So the first part of discipleship is to make sure that the person that you're discipling, that you're helping to be like Jesus, understands the gospel, that, they're, that they, they properly understand that they, are, that they are sinful, 
as the Bible clearly teaches, that they understand that they are indeed hopeless, helpless, desperate, that without Jesus, only hell awaits. And then from that place, from that understanding, from that desperation, they have certainly received Jesus Christ, that they've called out to him. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Again, it's not your words that save you. It's Christ that saves us. But we use our words to communicate our heart, to confess our desire for Jesus, right? Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Again, you're not saved by the actual confession. The confession reveals the genuineness of your heart and the desire to know Christ. So the first thing you want to do again is to, is to make sure that the person you're discipling has received Christ as Savior. That they are currently trusting and relying, clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of their sins the salvation of their soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and to go to heaven when they die. And so Peter in 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Okay, again, every one of us as a disciple, this is something we have to work on every day and teach others. Set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have let me, sit, let me read it again. Always be prepared. This is 1 Peter 3.15, Susan. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So again, you always want to be testifying about Jesus and the hope you have in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. And he goes on to say, but do this with gentleness and respect. Okay. We shouldn't be harsh. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be overbearing. All right. Let's look at uh, Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. This is Jesus after his resurrection and before he ascended back to heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, obviously, the, the 12 disciples did not go to the ends of the earth, but they themselves made disciples and those disciples made disciples and those disciples made disciples all the way up to you and I, right, May? And now we're making disciples and we are his witnesses, not only in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth, okay? So again, a disciple is a witness of Jesus, a witness of who he is, that our God became a human man for us, lived a perfect righteous life on our behalf that we couldn't live, died a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died, and is raised from the dead, and that all we need to do is genuinely receive him as our Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, and we too then have the privilege of being his disciples and his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Wow. Golly, that's good. All right. Um, the process of discipleship, okay? The process of discipleship, again, is building up others, right? Consistently throughout your day, throughout your week, your month, your year, for the rest of your life, and helping them to walk out 
the process of discipleship. Everything we talked about that we're to do, we help others to do. Look at Acts 2.42. Now, these are, you know, the original apostles, the great teachers. They're the, you know, they're the biggest, most important pastors and elders of their day. Acts 2.42, what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the apostles' teaching is the New Testament. Okay, now the whole Bible is the word of God. It's essential. We know that. The Bible's coming under attack. All 66 books of the Bible are equally the word of God. Now we live in the new covenant. Okay. So again, uh, the whole scripture is the word of God, but we live in the new covenant. Jesus, you know, is prophesied in the, uh, in the old Testament you know, you know, he's consi- consistently shown in type and shadow and symbolism in the Old Testament, but he's fully revealed in the 27 books of the New Testament. And our lives are about being disciples of Jesus Christ. But again, the whole Bible is the word of God, but it's in the New Testament that we, you know, we see the words of Christ. Okay. Again, they're not more important than any other words. It's all the very word of God. Every word in your Bible is the word of Jesus, but we want to be devoted to growing to know him and growing to walk with him. And that happens where we see him live and move in the gospels and in the other 23 books of the New Testament, right? But look at what the early apostles did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, what we have in the New Testament, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayer, okay? So, they came together. Matter of fact, let's 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 turn there. Um, let's turn to Acts two, Acts chapter two, so we can see the lifestyle here. Acts two, forty two. Look at. Uh, well, we, we read verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All right. Look down in verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day they meant to, they, they, uh, they continued to meet together. A part of making disciples is that you're in consistent fellowship with them. You cannot make disciples from a pulpit, okay? Now, teaching the word of God, not only from a pulpit, but everywhere at all times, wherever you are, the pulpit's not more important, the pulpit's not more holy, okay? The church building is not more holy, okay? But teaching the word of God to the people of God is absolutely essential, okay? Um, So going to church and hearing a good, sound, Bible-based message, spending time in praise and worship, it's, 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 it's essential. It's important. Okay. But you don't make disciples from a pulpit. You cannot make a disciple when you're not spending time with them. How many disciples did Jesus have? He had 12, right? How much time did he spend with them? How much time did he spend with them? Uh, rap once a week on Sunday for an hour and a half talking to him? No, he lived with them. He was with them day in and day out. For three and a half years, Jesus lived with them. Let me ask you this. Do you think that, that if you asked any of the, of the 12 disciples, 
you know, the most, the most powerful times that you had with Jesus, were those the times when you listened to his public preaching? And I'll bet you they would say, man, his preaching was incredible. But no, the, the, the greatest times was when we just, when we were together and he was with us. And he would teach us and when he, when he, when he would exhort us and when, he, when we were just together and just spent time together and when he would just give me his time and, 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 you know, and teach me something or show me something or open my mind to something. There can be no doubt, right? Now, of course, they would have, they would have been there and, you know, and heard his public preaching sometimes to tens of thousands. But there can be no doubt that the most powerful times in their lives was the times that they were with Jesus one-on-one, when they were intimately, when they were with him one-on-three, when they were together. And that's what discipleship is. So I'll say again, a part of being a disciple is listening to the word of God, okay? But that, that's a, that is a, an important part, but it's a small part, okay? You cannot make disciples from a pulpit. You don't disciple someone you haven't spent time with, okay? Jesus had 12 guys. He poured into those 12 guys, and 11 of them went out and changed the world for Jesus. So who are your 12? Now, 12 is a lot. Maybe you only have six men or women that you're really pouring into. Jesus had an inner circle, Peter, James, and John. How many people in your life, very few Christians ever even become disciples, but even those that are in the process of discipleship, rarely, as Jesus said, the workers are few, rarely go on to make disciples. So who are the men and women in your life that you are consistently reaching out to, calling on the phone, asking them how they're doing, meeting them for coffee, spending time building them up in Christ, spending time exhorting them in their walk with Christ? Who are they? Look what it says again, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Acts 2, 46. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. So, if we're going to make disciples with Jesus Christ, we have to be meeting with people. And this is not meeting during Sunday morning at church. This is spending time getting to know them. You, you can't disciple someone that you don't know. You can't disciple someone that you don't have a relationship with. You're going to have to have relationship with them. You're going to have to spend time with them as Jesus did with his 12 disciples. Again, he lived with them seven days a week, 365 days a year. Look at... Uh, Look at Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. This is important. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Again, you can't do this in a pulpit. Uh, this is obviously a pulpit here. I'm teaching the word of God. We have pulpits in church where people are, are sitting and listening to the word of God. But it's our responsibility to make sure that our brothers and sisters in Christ are being discipled and that they're not turning away from Jesus to the world. 
See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Verse 13, Hebrews 13, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What did he say? But encourage one another. How often? Daily. How often are you encouraging other brothers and sisters in Christ in their walk with Christ? This is an essential part of making disciples. And as you can see, it's a daily task. Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. As long as you have a day as long as Jesus hasn't come and taken you home, as long as you haven't died and left this life, or Jesus hasn't returned, you ought to be encouraging and building up others daily in their walk with Christ. Look at uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. Paul says, but you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. So again, again, when we're making disciples, we, it, it is our duty to, to make sure in evangelism, uh, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus, that they do properly understand the gospel and that they have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Look at, uh, look at 2 Timothy 2.15. All right, so in order to make disciples, you have to spend time in your Bible and you have to help others spend time in their Bible. You cannot effectively make disciples of Jesus without exhorting them to the word of Christ, to their Bible, to the word of God. Really, again, you remember, you know, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, we read it, right? Every time, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 20 and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So your job is to help others obey everything Jesus commanded. Well, where is everything Jesus commanded, Becky? It's in your Bible, okay? So you cannot make a disciple of Jesus Christ if number one, you're not a disciple. And in order to effectively make disciples, you need to more and more know the word of God. You need to know how to handle the word of God and to exhort people to not only be in the word of God, but to obey the word of God. I'll say again, Jesus's words, Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Let it really hit home here, Lauren. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Again, he's commanded us to do this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So again, your primary duty as a disciple of Jesus Christ is to teach them to obey the word of God. But if you yourself don't really know the word of God, how are you going to teach others to know it and obey it? Look what Paul tells Timothy here in 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman... You like that? Jesus said workers, right? A worker is a disciple, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth to, to effectively make disciples. Now, again, you don't have to be a preacher. Again, all of us are called to make disciples. It's not just the preachers who are called, although those of us who do this at a, as a living ought to be doing it more than anyone else. And few ministers even make disciples today, uh, I'm sorry to say. But 
in order to do it, in order to effectively make disciples, you know, we need to be a workman who does not need to be ashamed. We have to do the work of knowing the scriptures and who correctly handles the word of truth, who correctly handles the Bible and are exhorting others to be in the Bible. So again, how much time are you spending in the scriptures? How much time, Jose, are you spending studying the scriptures, growing to know the scriptures, and exhorting others to spend time in the Bible and to know the word of God and to obey the word of God? Wow. All right. Look at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Okay. How often should you do this? You should do it every day. Okay. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So part of making disciples, Nathan, is consistently looking for places to spur, spur, right? One another on toward love and good deeds, Damon. Okay. Spur means to what? The cowboy takes those sharp spurs and drives them into the horse and it, and it jolts the horse, the horse forward, right? We want to be jolting others to, to, to consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We want to be spurring or jolting one another on our brothers and sisters in Christ to love and good deeds in Jesus. Part of discipleship, again, is thinking of others, calling them, texting them, and meeting with them. Look at verse 25. Now, amazingly, this, this verse is, is usually used almost in all places to talk about church, but the primary use of the verse is in church. Certainly, we should come together and, you know, and going to church is a good thing. It's an important thing. But Hebrews 10, 25, he says, let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If you go to church once a week, you're not following this, okay? Again, going to church once a week is a good thing, all right? It's, it's, it's an important part of being a disciple, is, is being a part of a good, sound, Bible-based church or ministry and having consistent fellowship, right? Coming together, listening to the Word of God being taught, right? Uh, participating in praise and worship. All these things are wonderful. But again, this ought to be dessert. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, what you do on Sunday morning for that hour, hour and a half at church, however long it is, ought to be dessert in your life. It's an important part, but it ought to be three to five percent of your total walk with Jesus. And regrettably, it's it's 90 to 100 percent for the vast majority of Christians of their Christianity is what happens on Sunday morning. Again, Sunday morning is a good thing. It ought to, you ought to be able to go in there and it ought to be like having dessert, right? But but your full meal ought to be your daily walk with Jesus, you know, Monday to Sunday. All the other times you're not in church, Stephen. Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You ought to be meeting with brothers and sisters in Christ, coming together, right? One-on-one, two-on-two, five-on-five, meeting for Bible studies, meeting for coffee, and talking about Jesus, having fellowship around Jesus. Many Christians come together, but it's, it's frankly, it's more casual. There's nothing wrong with getting together and having casual meetings, but I mean, they're not productive 
in the way that coming together in the fellowship of Christ and discussing our, our walk with Christ, they're not productive in that way. Again, it's, it's fine for us to chill out and just come together and, you know, and just meet and have a coffee or, you know, drink a beer or however it is you, you fellowship, watch a ball game. Um, but that's not the same as coming together in fellowship around Jesus Christ and in talking about Jesus and building up Jesus and praying together and holding one another accountable for our walk. So when it says, let us not give up meeting together again, the primary thing here is not to say, not going to church. You ought to, you know, going to church is a good and important thing. Okay. But you ought to be meeting and having fellowship with other believers throughout your week. Okay. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And that day is the day that Jesus takes us home. Every day we live, we're a day closer to leaving this life. And so we want to be encouraging one another again, as he said in Hebrews 13, Hebrews 3.13, every day. Look at Proverbs 27.17. All right. A, a huge part of the discipleship process is that we're sharpening one another. We're building one another up. Proverbs 27.17, famous verse. Most of us have heard it as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. All right. You ought to be looking to help others. Kristen, be sharper in their walk with Christ. How much are you doing this? How much are you doing this, Chris? Okay. Um, again, uh, discipleship is, again, when you're, you're building someone up, when you're exhorting someone, when you're encouraging someone, when you're speaking to someone personally, okay, or in a small group, okay? Again, discipleship does not happen happen from a pulpit. You have to have relationship with the individual. You have to have a heart to build them up, to encourage them. You have to know what's going on in their lives. A big part of discipleship is, is holding people accountable. Accountability is a huge part of discipleship. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel but with many advisors, they succeed. We, we all ought to have men and women in our life that are at least equally focused to us, that are serious about their walk with Jesus, that we can be accountable to, and that can give us counsel on the word of God and the son of God and the, and, and the heart of Jesus for our lives. Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Okay? Boom. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Okay? So again, a disciple is someone who's encouraging other believers to walk more deeply with Jesus Christ. They're, they're holding them accountable. Okay? They're counseling them to spend time and exhorting them to be in the word of God. Exhorting them to obey the word of God exhorting them to repent for the areas of their life that are out of place. Look at Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Okay, so this is every disciple of Jesus Christ needs to be teaching and admonishing, exhorting other believers in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ 
dwell in you richly. The word of God ought to be dwelling in you and particularly the word about Christ. It's all about Jesus, okay? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another, discipleship, teaching one another, building up others in their walk with Jesus, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wow, Esther. You see that? Look at that, Peyton. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, Benny, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wow. So again, a disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who is growing closer to Jesus or an apprentice of Jesus. When you're making disciples, you the name Jesus has to always be on your mind, in your heart, and coming out of your mouth. You can't make disciples of Jesus if you're not talking to people about Jesus and using the name Jesus. The name Jesus has to be on our lips consistently if we're going to effectively make disciples because we're exhorting people, we're admonishing people, we're discipling people to be like Jesus, okay? The name Jesus ought to be on your mouth 10 times more than the word God. I, I, don't, I don't know many Christians that are like this. Regrettably, um, the body of Christ today in the church is God, 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 God. The word God has no power, okay? Every religion has the word God, and it's meaningless without Christ, okay? The name Jesus is what carries all the power and all the authority. Our lives are about being disciples of Jesus, not disciples of God. Jesus is God, but disciples of Jesus. You don't, you don't get to know Jesus by trying to know God. Jesus is God. The only way to know the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, is to get to know Jesus. As you grow to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, as you grow to make disciples of Jesus Christ, help others be disciples of Jesus Christ, you will grow to know Jesus better. And as you grow to know Jesus better, you'll grow to know your heavenly father better. You'll grow to know the Holy Spirit better. And the whole thing will just work in a beautiful, you know, a beautiful circle, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But make no mistake, it's Jesus that's at the center of everything. Wow. Wow. Part of discipleship, again, is accountability. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So discipleship has accountability. Obviously, you can't do this from a pulpit. Okay. So again, you have to be in relationship with the person. They have to know you. They have to trust you. Okay. They have to trust that they can share things with you and you're not going to tell the whole world. Okay. Here's an exhortation. You can't make disciples if you're gossiping to everyone you know about what the person or how sinful the person you're discipling is. You shouldn't tell anyone, okay? If you're discipling, if you're discipling a man, okay, and let's say he's struggling in some sin, you ought not tell your wife what he's struggling with. 
Okay. This seems to be, there's a massive misconception of this in the body of Christ. Okay. Um, you know, and, and again, it's, it's alarming how immature we are. Okay. It's not your wife's concern. What you're exhorting and holding men, men of God accountable to and what the sin they're living in. Okay. That's between you, them and Christ. And if you're a woman of God today, right. And you're discipling other women. Okay. And they're going through certain struggles and they're failing in certain areas. You don't need to tell your husband about it. Okay. I'm not saying you're looking to hide anything. That's not the point. Obviously the point is that you have discretion, right. And that, that, you know, you understand that, you know, that it's not meant for your spouse to know where other people are failing. Now, I'm not saying there's not times where you're doing ministry together and you know these things, but one, one, of the, one of the great problems in discipleship is we don't understand that when we're, when we're doing accountability, when we're walking out James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, you ought not be sharing those people's sins with anyone else prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Look at James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers, if one of, you, one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Again, part of discipleship is turning people back to Jesus when they're getting pulled off into the world. Okay. Again, you have to be in relationship with people. This is, these are things you're doing throughout your day. You're calling on people. You're checking with them. You're texting them. You're wanting to see how they're doing. Discipleship is an other centered process. You're thinking about others and their walk with Christ, Stephen, and how you can build them up and encourage them in their walk with Christ. Wow. All right. We're going to have to wrap up here again. There's obviously going to be a part two here. Where do I want to end? Golly. All right. Again, I'll end here and I'll start here. Whew. I'll start here next time. But John 8, 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay. So obviously as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to hold to the teaching of Jesus, Alicia, right? But in making disciples, you have to consistently be exhorting everyone you're talking to, all those you're pouring into, to hold to the teaching of Jesus. So again, to make disciples, you have to be in relationship with them. There ought to be three, four, five, six, seven men or women that you're consistently reaching out to during the week, calling them, texting with them, praying with them. You ought to be meeting together. Okay. Um, meeting, you know, meeting at Starbucks, having a cup of coffee, sitting down with them. Right. I saw my brothers, Matthew and Chad meeting today and they, they meet together and they encourage one another and there's accountability to there. Again, um, you, you have to be together. Okay. Um, but again, we obviously have technology, we have phones. So sometimes it's hard to meet, but you can get on the phone. You can have a phone call throughout your day. Every day you ought to be in the process of making disciples, of encouraging others to be disciples of Jesus Christ, of encouraging them in their prayer life, encouraging them to pray, to pray with their spouse if they're married, encouraging them in their times of praise and worship and thanksgiving, encouraging them in their times of repentance, encouraging them to use their time 
their talents, and their money in the advancement of the kingdom of God and the Son of God more and more and more and more and more, and encouraging them to repent for the areas of their life where they're falling short. Again, the greatest privilege in our life is to be a disciple, and with that is to make disciples. Wow. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, your grace on our lives. Father, again, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we get to be your disciples. And we thank you for this incredible privilege to make disciples, to encourage others to be more devoted followers of you, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord Jesus, we do pray today that you would send workers into the harvest, Lord, that you would raise up men and women that want to be zealous disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Lord, we ask you to bring them into our lives, Lord, and help us to search them out, Lord, that we may fulfill the great commission you gave us, Lord Jesus, to go into all the world and make disciples, to make apprentices of you, to, to, to make men and women, to exhort men and women to be disciplined followers of you, our Lord Jesus Christ, to be devoted to you, to love you, to obey you, Lord, and to grow to know you in every aspect of our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. As always, we ask for eyes that see Jesus, ears that hear him, and hearts to understand Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.